1: News Radio 930 WVL.
2: Yes. (laughs) There you go. (laughs) I can't do that uh, today. My voice is, see, the way it is uh, after last Sunday's Bills game, you know, I I was holding up good, holding up good, but the, the more you talk on the air over the course of the week, it's just further degrading to where today is I'm on the last straw. I get these two days to recoup. We'll be back and uh, good on Monday, but so I, I cannot s- do that scream today. So while you're still talking, it's still it's still uh, damaging
3: to what you did on Sunday. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Just that, that'll be me next week. Yeah. I got the game tomorrow, uh, the tech game tomorrow, and then next week I'll uh, slowly be getting worse. But, you yeah. know, hey.
2: It's further aggravating what we've got here. But thanks for being with us on uh, Friday. A week went by pretty fast. Beam and Beamer here on WBEN where uh, a lot is going on, Joe. we got uh, so much going on. I, I do want to kind of circle back to – because I was thinking about this a little bit more yesterday. Larry? As I saw more stories about how kids were, you know, not just seeing a late bus – or a super late arrival back home from school, like 7 p.m., or, you know, something crazy like that. Um, but, you know, just not being picked up at all, or being dropped off, or, you know, wandering the street looking for their way home uh, around Buffalo when the bus isn't there, or the bus isn't doing their job. And I I, came, I don't think I'm being, I, I feel like people might have heard me yesterday and thought I was just being, you know, outrageous for effect. Or facetious at some point. Was, no, a hundred dollars an hour now to drive a school bus. Like that is that's the level of need right. around the country.
3: Yeah, it, it, it's you need people driving the buses. Not next week. Not next month. Now you need you need to get students into the school.
2: I, I feel like people were not taking me seriously. But I, the more I thought about it, the more serious I became on this. Right, a hundred dollars. You were given money to help make sure we can get back to school. This is a part of it. We have a shortage of bus drivers. How do we, uh, you know, fix the shortage? You're going to need to pay, uh, offer a little bit more incentive for people to be bus drivers. A hundred dollars an hour. That's, to drive a school bus. That
3: is your proposal. I'm not sure I'd go to $100 an hour. I would have incentives, bonuses,
2: signing bonuses, all that Start stuff. Start at 75 sure. Let's see how far we can stretch uh, these <laughs> pandemic dollars. But <laughs> that is what needs to be done. Yes. No. That you need to go there.
3: Something. Dr- I agree with you that something drastic needs to be done. I'm not sure $100 an hour, when do you get out of that? You lose all the drivers again. You know, you, you eventually do run out
2: of the— uh, the, the, the Maybe. I, I think you you also have to make it clear, listen, we're, we're going to give you $100 an hour. This is not going to last past this school year but We're not at signing the very latest. This. Yes. Yeah.
3: yeah. Uh, but— No, I, under, I understand. Something drastic does need to be done. And if it gets to the point where you have to give $100 an hour, give $100 an hour because nothing is as bad
2: as kids sitting at home not learning. And, and tell me it's not worth it. I, mean, I, I will not say that, yeah. We're I, giving $9 million to the lawyer investigating a governor who isn't even in office <laughs> anymore. So tell me it's, a it's not worth it, $100 an hour to get kids into the classroom. That's a good point. I think it is. Um, so there's that. I just wanted to make that clear for you. I've been still thinking about that because we continue to have that story this morning. And then we also continued to have the story on masking in schools and you know what the reaction has been from not just daycares, not just parents, but from other lawmakers who are weighing in on what Governor Hochul had to say. Uh, that includes Sean Ryan, the state senator, who talked a little bit about why two-year-olds should wear masks. Here, here's the problem. Uh, because stubborn adults in our society are refusing to get a vaccine, they're making it so everyone else has to do things that are uncomfortable all right so Sean Ryan there talking yesterday with our Mike Baggerman about why so we started this off yesterday uh, right where we heard the lieutenant governor talking about why uh, we're putting this mask mandate and it was scary stories in the national news yep not any conversation with daycare not anything on tv um and and then you know why how do we justify this well uh, as we ask state lawmakers it's well, because other people won't do what we want them to do, then it forces us to have uncomfortable things on other... – what? That's right. <laughs> what? That's right. It, it's 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 the
3: adults not getting vaccinated. That's why your child has to walk around in a mask. Is pretty much what Sean Ryan was saying.
2: Without even – I mean, I guess if you really wanted to go that route, you could talk yourself into going down the line and saying, well – you know people are unvaccinated there's still covid going around and it's infecting other people and that might eventually impact the daycare but we don't even get there no 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 it's just uh, people aren't doing what we want them to be doing so we're going to impose something on 2 year olds and people in uh, schools and daycare centers where we haven't really seen an issue at all we
3: are we are placing or imposing mandates on on places because of hypotheticals. That's pretty much what's going on in the state of New York. Not any evidence based, no data based. These mandates in daycares are based on hypotheticals and something that was on the evening news. And it's
2: right. It's not something that happens in nature, right? The th- any mandate is something that is imposed by somebody. Yes, it's a decision that's made. It's not a naturally occurring event, right? So we can't act like that this is, well, you know, hey, look, this happened. And now look, there's the results. I mean, nothing we can do about it. No, 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 no. (laughs) Remember, everything is a decision. And when we talked with the uh, take care operator this morning, it was the one quote that kind of stuck out with me, right? If she said, if I thought it was accomplishing something, I'd be all for it. Right. Because and that's how most people feel. I, right. I, I think that <laughs> that really cuts to the core of not just this, but any mandate that you put on there. I mean, you could apply this to the uh, situation at the stadium. Uh, you could apply this anywhere. Um, if I thought it was accomplishing something, I'd be all for it. If we can prove that we're accomplishing something by putting a restriction on, on what you normally do, I think most people would say, yes, okay. But what are they saying? They're saying, one, there's no communication with the state to daycares and either before or after this rule is put in place. And, I mean, the big part in this, no issues in the last 18 months, and that hasn't changed. And that hasn't changed from going back to last March, and that hasn't changed within the last – few months when you're seeing the Delta variant that's been around for a long time there still has been no issues at the actual daycares which is why they're saying listen we nothing has changed on our end so why are you forcing this change on us
3: you said it perfectly you know that they say Delta variant Delta variant well if the data showed that the Delta variant was becoming more of an issue at daycares of course. Of course, something would have to be done. And if that was done with the benefit of slowing the spread, we'd be all for it. Uh, I think most people speaking out against it would be all for it. Uh, but you can't say, well, the Delta variant Delta variant," when the data doesn't back up what you're doing. You can say Delta variant all you want. Uh, but if the daycare numbers haven't changed since last year, then you, you've, you've got to just hit the brakes and say, wait a minute what are we doing and why are we doing it you, you can't keep imposing things on hypotheticals and that's all this is right now is a hypothetical
2: that uh, you, you heard it from governor Hokel and you heard it from what sean ryan said and so this all kind of comes around and it applies and everything applies joe when i read this this morning i almost uh, decided to quit the show <laughs> or at least Uh-oh. Uh-oh. quit quit COVID on the show because I, it was so succinctly put in a, an article that does not take that long to read. Uh, just the other day, and I just found it this morning on MedPage Today, Dr. Vinay Prasad, who's, um, you might have seen his name, he's been outspoken on a lot of these COVID issues. The uh, article that I tweeted out earlier this morning was titled Vaccine Tribalism is poisoning progress on COVID science. And and, uh, although I would like to just read the entire thing and leave it at that, I won't read the entire thing. You can go and uh, give him the hit on that. But, I mean, the points are so, I, I mean, they are expressing in a way that I think we have both, Joe, been trying to, over the last six months, expressing them so succinctly as to why these conversations are important, why nuance is important, and why picking a side and not relenting is just so bad for everybody. Yep. I mean, not just for yourself. It's so bad for everybody. I'm picking out. He begins with talking about vaccinations, and the whole article kind of focuses on vaccinations. And like I said, you can kind of – Uh, take his argument, though, and apply it to a lot of other things that we've seen before. Um, He said that there's a lot of questions when it comes to vaccination programs, like what's the best vaccination for someone who's recovered from COVID? Does that vary by age? Does it vary by gender? What evidence is needed to support boosters? Mm -hmm. What evidence is needed when talking about pediatric trials to decide if the risk-benefit profile is favorable. And all these are important questions that will not be answered, will not attempt, uh, uh, there will not be an attempt to have the answer as long as the discourse is the way it is. And this is what I will read uh, verbatim. He says, there's a small but vocal minority of people who are critical, often irrationally so, of vaccination. He says they are wrong. But what I see more and more among the ranks of physicians and other professionals is a growing minority on the other end of the spectrum. These are people who are quick to label legitimate scientific dialogue as anti-vax or dangerous misinformation. In many cases, the speakers have little knowledge of the issues themselves. They couple this condemnation with a strong sense that they're morally correct, working to purge the world. ...of dangerous anti-vax thinking. Ironically, they're further polarizing (laughs) an already polarized debate, sometimes worse. They're simply wrong. These are real and live issues. He continues and makes a point that I think speaks to, hopefully, everybody. Many people who view themselves on the side of the moral right pushing harder and harder against nuance... That word that I I think has been brought up a lot on this show before. They're eager to label any investigation or discussion of vaccine safety as anti-vax out of fear that it will fuel a public anti-vax agenda. They've asked that other scientists who generate something like a myocarditis estimate, contrary to their worldview, or using controversial methods, lose their medical license. In doing so, they poison their own cause and become a threat. To science and sound health policy, and he ends his piece, which again you can read. I tweeted out a link earlier this morning, uh, basically saying that this vaccine tribalism is poison on both extreme sides of the spectrum. And uh, you know, one one thing that I I think everyone should ask before, and that this includes me and you, Joe. By the way. Are you capable, and do you have experience, quantifying rare harms? Because if not, a slow roll on your opinion and broadcasting it to the world, right? Oops. <laughs> but he makes a great
3: point. I read, uh, I read this when you, uh, when you tweeted it out. I've been looking through it. And he makes it, like you said, we've been saying this pretty much the entire time the vaccine's been out, that the people who are pushing you to get the vaccine, you got to do this every day on TV, every day online, shaming those who didn't get it. Uh, Sean Ryan's clip is is a perfect example of that. All it's doing is making those who are anti-vax uh, more um, confident in their, in their opinion and less likely to get the vaccine instead of, you know, Okay, yeah, let's look at this argument. It, let's it, put some weight into this argument.
2: It drives division, but it also it quiets questions. It treats every question, legitimate or not, in the not category. And everyone who does the question, whether or not they're working in good faith or bad, is if they're working in bad faith. Right. And we see the attitude far too often. Um, and, and luckily, you know, we have a good number of guests who don't do that. Uh, Dr. Russo joined us earlier this morning, and we had the booster discussion with him. And, you know, we talked about uh, among the questions that aren't answered are what do we want a vaccine to do, which is important in the booster discussion, right? What do we want the vaccine to do? And, you know, his goal was kind of similar to what I thought the goal was. And you want the vaccine to prevent serious illness and death. Which is why he said that just simply saying boosters for all is probably not the right way to go around it. Right. I. This is not him speaking. This is me speaking that I think part of the reason why the president came out and said boosters for all American is this idea of vaccine tribalism, where it's this all or nothing yep. idea. What Dr. Russo said, and it's not just him, it goes for a lot of people, is uh, what would make sense if you really look at any data on boosters is that boosters should be made available to people who have a severe uh, immunocompromised case, um, whether that's someone who has had an organ transplant, another disease, or the elderly, right? And, and that's really and then for everybody else, everything's still working according to plan and no reason to. And that kind of nuance is what's needed, but you definitely don't find it in the discourse online or, you know, even I'm noticing more and more face to face. No, and and I'll go back to our politicians
3: are doing a real disservice if their plan and they say it is if their plan is to get everyone vaccinated they should take every question seriously they should have someone answer those questions address those questions instead they're not literally laughed off but they're laughed they're laughed off and you're just labeled an anti-vaxxer because how dare you ask a question and um, it, it really is just making this divide even more and like I said it's it's going completely against what they claim is their goal, and that is to get more people vaccinated. Um, And I am surprised that in September, Brian, you and I can see this, uh, but the politicians, I don't know if they can't see it, don't want to see it. Their egos are too high.
2: I don't know which one it is, but uh, it's really concerning. Well, anyways, I thought both were interesting today and you can see them, Uh, both the discussion with Dr. Russo and the link to that article on my Twitter feed at BMS1 on Twitter, Um, uh, circling back. Jim is joining us. And Jim, uh, it says here that you're a bus driver. Is it working for you? Are you making a hundred dollars an hour yet?
4: Oh no. <laughs> I wish. Uh well, I I am making about twenty-two dollars an hour. Uh when I started I was making twelve dollars an hour. That was uh thirteen years ago. And uh right now uh, I I drive uh all over the Buffalo area, Chictawaga, I've been to Niagara Falls. I've been as far as Lockport, and uh, I am 73 years old. I I was uh, in the infantry in Vietnam. I served with the 173rd Airborne Brigade. Uh, I was a rifleman and a M60 machine gunner, and uh, I I I have I actually have fun driving the school bus. I I enjoy the kids. I've got six grandkids of my own. Uh, it, it, I know a lot of, I, I have, uh, I'm in a, a member of the Vietnam vets in this area. And I took a lot of applications to the vets and uh, I tried to get some takers. And everybody says, you got to be crazy. <laughs> I couldn't get anybody interested.
3: But Jim, can you see as someone who's 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 done this for a long time, and and I'm, I'm glad that you enjoy doing it. I, I'm sure uh, the the bus company enjoys that you, that you enjoy doing it. Um, but can you see why some people might be turned off? Some people might might leave uh, that profession.
4: Well, uh, some people do have bad experiences. I know another Vietnam vet. He drove a bus for one day. And by the after one day he was ready to go crazy. He he quit. He quit when he got back to the terminal. Mm-hmm. Uh, I have I've had nothing but good experiences. I I mean I have had to break up several fights. I have to I have to preach to the kids a lot about their language and uh, respecting one another. And uh, for me, it's not that difficult. Uh, I don't know, maybe because I was in Vietnam, anything else is easier. But,
2: well, uh, Jim, uh, you know, appreciate having you on and giving the call, and good luck to you and everyone else driving the bus today. Jim, also, thanks for your service. That's uh, Jim joining us. And, you know, I, I, the bus this is supposed to be how it works, right? Something's in very high demand. Yes. You need it right now. You see the banners up. I don't see the school bus. You dr- pony up, up and pay for it. Yeah. I mean, let's uh, let's go. You need this. Let's uh, let's pony up. Um, I, you know, let's let's try and have a little bit of fun. You know, I'm all things. down for some fun um, yeah, on Friday. Uh, <laughs> steer away from. <laughs> if you are being paid a hundred dollars an hour, I do want to still hear from you. Eight hundred three. That's whatever
0: profession you're in. Yeah, that's
2: right. (laughs) Uh, We'll be back here. Beamaz and Beamer on WBEN.
1: It's BMAS and Beamer, News Radio 930 WBEN. All
2: right, we are back here, BMAS and Beamer on WBEN. Look who's dropping in. Rob Lucas from uh, right down the hall,
5: or, or better yet, hear who's dropping in. This yeah. is radio.
2: This is a hey, no. Look who's dropping in. We're streaming. You didn't see our camera. <laughs> oh my! I,
5: I should have put on no. my makeup yeah. then. But you know, next to Beamer, I'll be fine. Uh, we were
2: we were trying to talk yesterday about the Rolling Stone 500 Greatest Songs refresh. Mm-hmm. They did it 17 years ago, and now they're doing it again. And I, I don't know. I love the debate. I also respect the fact of the list that and I love to open to a random page on this list. I'm in the 400s right here. Okay. So any list you're trying to compare Megan The Stallion featuring Beyoncé from 2020. Yes. um with Miranda Lambert from 2010, Motorhead from 1980 and Fallout Boy from 2005. Those are all in like succession in the 400s, all completely different genres and sounds, and you're trying to rank those songs. So, I mean, that's it's almost an impossible thing to do.
5: Yeah, when I first looked at the, the this list, uh, the first thing I thought of was, this is a book that I've been wanting to write since I was like 20 years old. I wanted to write a book on the 100 best songs uh, and I wanted to call it subtitled, All the Songs That All the Other Songs Are Based Upon. That's <laughs> uh, Seriously, because that's what it is. And that's when, when you get into the top 50 in this list, that's what I think it's supposed to be. The 50 songs that all the other songs throughout history are, are based
2: it's, upon. It's 100% not, though,
5: right? Like- uh, well, yeah. And here's the thing. You mentioned it correctly, where this list, at first, I got so frustrated at some of the things I saw. And then when I really took the time yesterday to go through the entire list, there's no way anybody's going to get it right. And and the list is so inclusive, there is not a genre that's not on there. And what I think about this list is, I think it's the best thing. They should do this every 10 years because it's the best thing for old people like me. (laughs) I'm going through, and I saw Bob Seger's Night Moves, and they had the album cover. And I remember remember I had that on 8-track. And then at the same time, there's a 15 year old right now, who's going through this list, and he doesn't know 60 percent of the songs. And they're gonna go look them up, listen to them on YouTube, and be introduced to music that it, it was 60 years before their time. Now, and I think that's a really cool thing about this list. Maybe find out what an eight track is. <laughs>
3: <laughs> but it, where there's, you know, because I've looked at some of this, I, I, yeah. I, I can't, I
5: can't lie, I've not looked at all 500. It's tough to do because when you go through. I'm looking at like number 38, and I'm like, wait a minute, did this artist have also something at number 344? It's almost impossible to do at the same time.
3: But I I do have to say, I I think the number 300 song should have been in the top 100, and that is Rock Lobster by the
5: B52s. I mean, 300 Mm. ridiculously (laughs) low. I, I, you know what? It's it's so funny. I didn't even notice that being on there. I, I could see and it being won. a little bit higher. <laughs> I, oh, wait a minute, Who won? The song's got last. Because don't you think
3: lasting yeah. power plays into this as well? Oh, absolutely! And I think that song has more lasting power than well, some in the
2: top fifty. Well, that's yeah. why the top ten is mostly older songs. Yeah, I mean, you have to have a little bit of staying power. You said, Rob, that you know once you get into the top fifty, it should be what all the other songs are based on. Yeah. Forty-six, M.I.A. Paper planes. <laughs> yeah, I wrote exact, that down. That is so. It's overrated. the exact opposite of a song. Because, yeah. No, the song is. I love the song oh. because I do too, the but song. It's, not the, it's is not straight the, to hell by the Clash. Yeah,
5: that's the song.
2: And they just took the riff. That's right. And you know, changed some words <laughs> up and added a couple y- things. Y- you know
5: what? You're right. As sampling come, I never thought of that, but that's a great point. As sampling, because of technology, has come to the forefront. Boy, 17 years from now, you could have a lot of rip off songs at the top. Oh yeah, you you really could. You mentioned the Clash. I'm, I thought there would be more Clash on there. I, I really, don't. I think there were three or four, uh, but I don't remember seeing Train in Vain on there. That that definitely should have been on there. What do you think of uh, Michael Jackson only having one song in the top fifty? Um, I was
3: very surprised by that. Yeah,
5: you wonder, you know, because they had the voters and all the voters who are producers and artists and performers. They could put in their their and their ballot only fifty songs, and you wonder the mental side of things. You know how someone Michael Jackson's history, yeah. how that affects mm. what you're going to write down. Uh, yeah, I thought there would have been more Michael Jackson as well. Uh, Beamer, one thing that um, I was happy that for you, Backstreet Boys, I Want It That Way, it is on the list, and it should be. That is one of the best written sing-along songs of all time. Yes. And also BTS Dynamite <laughs> is on there. How is Happy Birthday not on the list? <laughs> Who Which wrote version? Happy birthday? The Which Lord version? version?
2: Just, no, no, just the generic, the first version, the sing-along b- version of Happy Birthday. So you just want to see the most like, sung song the number there is. Generic Happy Birthday. Well, then yeah. you're, you're going to put the alphabet on that too.
5: Then you know, A-B-C. You could do that.
2: I mean, if you this is a real ranking of top 500 songs of all time. Yeah. I mean, those... so, so. But I will agree. Backstreet
3: Boys. I okay. want it that way. Anyone could have sang that song, and it would have been a hit. It's
5: a great song. Yes. Yeah. Uh, Let me also add a couple of things that I'm very unhappy about. Uh, A lot of David Bowie songs, Stuck in the Middle, should have been a little bit higher. Kelly Clarkson, Since You've Been Been Gone, good pop song. There is no way that is in the top 100. Mm -hmm. There is no way it's in the top 300. I know it's kind of anthem-like, but that song, somewhat formulaic, it's been done. Oh,
2: that's... That's my big problem. That I used to think that about Taylor Swift. Remember when she first came out? Oh, yeah. All of her songs, and they were all hits. Somebody said, why no New York Dolls? Personality Crisis is on the list. One of the first things I look for. So uh, check uh, <laughs> check the list again. So you're a David Johansson fan. To someone fan. Yeah. Uh, chiming in. I'm more of a Johnny Thunders fan, but I'll, <laughs> I'll take them all. Um, but that song that Since You've Been Gone, I said that about all the Taylor Swift songs when she first came out, which is... This is the music I listen to. This is every punk song that I listen to just yeah. popped up a little bit. Yeah. The lyrics are a little more friendly, and it becomes a radio hit. But it's all the exact same formula of, you know, yeah. New York Dolls. I mean, it's it's the same song.
5: Go ahead, B- Joe.
2: Well, I, I want to know what you think. You know, you said...
3: They should do this every ten years. Say they do this in, in ten more years. Yeah. Are you going to see songs because you know Brian pointed out the top ten, uh, the the top um, not the top ten. I'm sorry, the top five. The songs were had already been recorded in, uh, the last time this list, but they moved around. Right. In ten years, twenty years, a list like this will it have more Britney Spears? Will it have more of the early two thousands, late nineties towards the top in less rock because of how? Listening trends are to mainstream today.
5: I, I think it will rock is become less prevalent I mean Gene Simmons of kiss has said that that rock and roll is dead and even if you look mm-hmm. at, at the top songs on there Bob Dil- Dylan Fleetwood Mac those are like soft AC songs now right the songs <laughs> that in the 70s Were rocking and crazy are now like oh my grandparents listen to those and, and they love those songs you mentioned Taylor Swift I was so surprised her song all too well is her highest ranked at 64. I I don't know that song that well. And I think if you were to ask so many people who their favorite Taylor Swift song is, uh, uh, what it is, uh, that might not come up. Also, The Kinks at number 14. Let's go old, old, old school. Song from the 60s, Waterloo Sunset. If you were to ask anybody who knows anything about The Kinks, and most people know Lola, Fly Like Superman. I don't, I can't, you've got to find a person who's really into the sublime and into the deep-in-the-wood stuff to, to uh, name Waterloo Sunset. Really? Rolling Stone, I think no. so. No, oh, it's a beautiful song. It I, is, I, That's but probably is.
2: the most popular song. Now, it Kinks uh, in present day, mm. of people who go online and you look up the kinks, I bet you if I were to open my music app, Waterloo Sunset would more be more than Lola. One of I, I'm saying it would more be than one Lola. of the top three songs. Mo-
5: more than okay. okay. It's not. It's
2: not no, exactly but, but like you a, just. You
5: said top three.
2: It's what? a better song than Lola.
5: Mm, Lola's iconic. Waterloo Sunset. Lola is beautiful. Oh, speaking of iconic songs, share right in the middle. Did you notice? Believe is on there. Yes. That's an iconic anthem. I can <laughs> see it. <laughs> Joe, but with the but, definitive. But yes. But how about? <laughs> does it? Should there be room for gypsies, tramps, and thieves? I mean, those are the songs, kind of, because oh, what was the other one? Um, they have "Call Me Maybe." Okay, yes, Carly Rae on there. Great song. How can you not? Iconic. How can you not have <laughs> Spice Girls "Wannabe"? Great point. I, I mean, if you're getting Carly yeah. Rae, Call Me you've Maybe." Got, I mean, Spice Girls "Wannabe" is, I, I think, "Call Me Maybe" to the fifth power. Right.
3: Maybe it's also an iconic song. I mean. I look at Britney. I'm going. You know, you can tell the difference in Brian and I's music. I look at Britney Spears. Joe
5: Beamer is the sixth Backstreet Boy, but that's how, okay because yeah. I'm the seventh.
3: How is "Toxic" a higher ranked song than "Baby One More Time"? Yeah. If I think Britney Spears, I'm I'm thinking "Baby One More Time." That video I, that you know, everyone my age I, I think these remembers. are you
2: know, the the ranking itself is not as interesting to me as the ranking of songs by particular artists. To like bring it around to something that, you know, maybe more listeners know, Joe. Like the Beatles rankings, right? Instead well, yeah, of the Britney Spears rankings. That's something <laughs> Well, I'd like to know Rob on that like, start- I'm Strawberry Fields is. I would've never to put me, that, up there. The that is not, Beatles song. No. Yeah. That is not uh, among I don't I I, I listen put... to a lot of Beatles all the time. I hardly ever will listen to strawberry yeah. fields like if i'm singling out tracks and not just listening to a record
5: yeah i can't imagine that being many people's top beatles song that song and this is the secret of almost all the beatles latter beatles albums that song sounds perfect within the sequence of the album mm-hmm. that it's on there are so many songs that run to, and you don't get that anymore with technology it's all singles now i, I want to talk about some people who are not on the list I find it hard to believe that the Carpenters don't have a song on there. Richard Carpenter is one of the greatest producers of all time. He was one of the first to do all the overdubs, taking Karen Carpenter's voice and doing that seven or eight times in a row. Uh, Brian May, Freddie Mercury of Queen, have said that they patterned some of what they've done after Richard Carpenter's production. Um, Close to you, superstar. Those are iconic American pop songs. I look at it this way. Any song that you would learn in elementary or high school band, uh, that's an iconic American pop song. Neil Diamond is on on there as a songwriter because the Monkees, I'm a Believer's on there. And I was looking, are are there any other Neil Diamond songs? I thought he would have. How is Cherry Cherry or Sweet Caroline not on there? Talk about I, it about be an iconic. Yeah, I right. may have missed it. And that's the thing like you said, Joe. 500 songs, you'll forget what's on there and what's not. Well, there's on there. three
2: things, right? If you're gonna compile a list yeah. of the greatest songs of all time, the song has to be one of three things. It has to be iconic, insanely popular. Yeah, I'll say that's what um Seven Nation Army made uh, it might be in the top ten, White Stripes. I mean that is that's become folk music. It, that, it's an anthem. Yeah, it's yeah. an anthem. Everyone with even if they've never heard the song, they know the along song, the riff inside of a stadium. Yeah. You know, spontaneously like that makes it uh, an amazing song. I, I think two would be uh, something that would inspire a lot. Yeah. And I think about yeah. like when I look at the top five, they have smells like Teen Spirit in there, yep. and I think about the story of James Williamson. Uh, former uh, guitarist on the Raw Power record with Iggy and the Stooges and he his son didn't even know that he was a rock and roll guitarist. He became like an executive at Dell. And he goes into his son's room, he's listening to that song and he goes, "Yeah, that's nice, but I kind of invented that like sound." That's a great story. That's it's a great a, story. It's an amazing story and his son's like, "Yeah, right." And then he, you know, digs up the record that he played on and, you know, to me, I would flip that ranking around. And then I think the the third one is the toughest one, Then that is, is it an objectively good song? Yeah. And how do you balance the three? Like on the white stripes, Seven Nation Army is going to be the top. That is not their best song by far that Jack White has ever written. But if you're ranking the greatest songs, I the... How iconic it is would outrank how good something else he did is.
5: Let me write a, a list. A couple of people who are on the list that I think have been vastly overrated: Kate Bush. I, I, mean, I know I'm going to offend some people, but running up the hill is just just so overrated. At number 60, Tracy Chapman's "Fast Car" is at number 71. The Beatles' "Yesterday," the most covered, most copied song in American music history. Is it number seventy-two? How can you <laughs> justify? Okay, and now I can. You, you can probably say we're sick of yesterday. Very yes. possible. It can. Okay. The movie v- was ver- pretty bad. Very too. possible. And also, any list with Chardé, I, I just, you know, she did. She, she was unique. She had about this much of a, of, a, of a pop career. Yeah, she'd be great to go see in a club at the town ballroom tomorrow night. But Chardé being on the list, I, I just don't get it. And the other one. I'm not just trying to pick on female artists here but I I <laughs> sounds like it. Jeez.
2: Rob. Let, let's go for <laughs> didn't one know more. Who we're inviting into the studio. <laughs> Lord
5: Royals at yep. number 30. Oh yeah, that one's just kind of back it off to like number 150 or number 200. Lord Royals uh, it, it just no. That's a newness.
2: How do you uh, differentiate? I think Sam Cook is the interesting one in this because how do you separate a great artist From the song itself. And what it means. Now, a change is going to come at number three. I don't think there's many arguments in that. But the rest of the Sam Cooke catalog, I would say his songs themselves are, you know, they're okay. Maybe it's just me personally. They don't hit me. It's Sam Cooke that hits you. It's him. It's the way he sings it. It's, I mean, his voice, it's everything like that. How do you separate
5: uh, a performance from a song, is it impossible to do? I think it is. Rod Stewart always wanted to grow up and be Sam Cooke. Uh, it's the biggest. If you ever interview Rod Stewart, tell him, "Hey, uh, this song sounds like Can you set like that same, up? I would same, love to. Uh, <laughs> yeah. it's, uh, I, I've had the pleasure of doing it, but Rod Stewart said he always wanted to be Sam Cooke because Sam Cooke, like Frank Sinatra, had a way with the lyric. Nobody would sing it the way they would. And the thing about Sam Cooke, Otis Redding, uh, Sitting on the Dock of the Bay, those two songs both came out posthumously. Mm-hmm. And, and uh, there's a little more meeting with a song like that. And the Sam Cooke song, uh, Bob Dylan Like a Rolling Stone, so many of the songs, The Public Enemy, uh, so many of the songs in the top 10, top 20, whatever, have, they go beyond just being a song, they have special meaning and, and power. Almost attached to them Ex- and Rolling Stone does
2: kind of gravitate yes. to those kind of things. Except for one. And I think this song, if you make this list again, I think it's rising. I wish they had their previous rank uh next to them on the list. But I think this song will continue to rise as you continue to make this list. Heya Outcast. Yes. That came in at number ten. I think that will be as far as songs made this century. Mm-hmm. I, I don't know if there's a better song that everybody likes. I mean, find, it's a party song. Find me I, somebody I not, who doesn't like yeah, it.
5: I would not put it in the top ten. I don't think it is one of the top ten most important songs in a music. In, in I don't Ameri- think it's important,
2: history. but it is. It does. I think it might be one of the best.
5: You know. You know, You know what though? That that's also another. You, you mentioned the different classifications. Is it the performance? Is it the song? Is it the importance? What does it mean to people? Do, and I looked at Outcast; They have like three songs on this list. Yes. Do we really need all three? Are all three worthy? I think Outcast. I think Heya should be top 40 maybe. Yeah. Mm. I love that song. See, uh, I, here's the I, thing.
2: I think Joe is, and we've said this many times on this show. Do you
5: guys really not like each other? Or his, I'm, well, no, I'm trying his, to get the vibe here. This, in the is, this is a very
2: opian Anthony
5: type. <laughs> his,
2: his taste in music is what separates us. Like I would think Joe's taste in music is absolutely horrible. Yes. I'm sure Joe thinks the same of me. <laughs> he's just too nice of a person to vocalize it. But I don't think here, I don't think your music's horrible. Here's the thing, he's too nice. Um here's the thing. If so if a song Joe really likes if we're out somewhere together and a song Joe <laughs> really likes Comes on the uh, jukebox, or if we're at a house party, they still have jukeboxes.
5: Yeah, they, they,
2: there is a 99% chance that I am going to hate it, or that you know he'll like it. He'll be screaming at the top of his lungs, and I'll just be like, whatever the song stinks. (laughs) The one outlier to that, okay, is Hey Ya. Yeah, because that is something that Joe will like. And dance to. That's okay. something I will like and dance to. That's something I'm betting you will like and dance to. It, I, I don't know if there's another song that spans. I mean, Nirvana smells like team spirit. You're, a lot of people are not going to like that song. Right. Or anything else before it. There's a whole segment of the population that's not going to like that song. I Joe, don't think you can Joe, find Joe,
5: at, at your wedding, who mm-hmm. would you trust more to play 10 great songs in a row? Me or b
2: well, you're
3: talking to someone who plays songs as their yeah, job. But, but I think that's an unfair question because if the setting was my I wedding. I know because
5: I get to leave the studio and you have to stay, stay here with him.
3: I, I think if the setting was my wedding. You're right, it's all right Brian, Brian would know what top 10 songs I would want as much as you. You know, like I don't, I don't think Brian would say I wouldn't oh, be I'm a jerk about my, it. Yeah, I'm yeah. gonna play my top ten songs. He he knows my top ten. Oh,
5: I would be. I'd be a jerk. I'm giving you an envelope with money in it. Why not? Hey, all right. <laughs> <laughs> Point well taken. What else do you guys think should be on there? Uh, there's one of my favorite songs of all time. I thought that would have made it. And you may not know the song. It's a woman who used to live in Buffalo for a while. Melanie, "Candles in the Rain." Do you guys know that song at all? No. If, if you don't. Look it up. It is a classic. Lay down, lay down. We did have a question With about a With Edwin Hawkins Singers, yes. Number 20, Robin, Dancing oh. on My Own. Now, is this the Robin from the 90s? I think so. There, wasn't there Robin and then Robin S? Or are they oh, the same Robin? I think they're the same Robin. Okay. So, yeah, I looked at that, too, and I blew right by it, and I thought, what were they smoking? Yeah, what like, is really? that? yeah. I, oh and that's a cool thing about this list as we started off. You're going to see songs that you don't know what they are. There what's who's the band pavement? Yeah. What Pavement's in there? They're from the 90s? I have no idea. You don't idea. know Pavement? No. Do you? do you?
2: What percentage of the list do that's you Beamer's think you know? That's Beamer's wedding song,
5: by the way, First Dance, that the Pavement song. Pavement. <laughs>
2: what, what would you say? What percentage do you think you know of the list of 500 of, of songs? Me? How many do you think you would recognize if they're heard? Not not necessarily even be able to name the artist, but like you know the song. At least 460.
5: I would say what? that. I think yeah. that's probably yep. right. There's I, a, you know what? The list. There's a whole, the, the 90s era, I was never into grunge. Like, artists like Belly and stuff like that. They're not on the list, but there's a whole genre there that I just don't get.
3: I, I I do have this question, and I apologize. But, you know, let's look 50, 60 years down the road. Yeah. Right? What is the lasting power of a band like the Beatles?
5: It's forever. Artists, they they're yeah, forever. the one band that's forever. Artists that are creating music 50 or 60 years from now will be creating that music because they played and got a hold of or whatever – their great great grandparents beatles and rolling stones records it all comes full circle and even though they don't know it the music that they're performing and creating then will be because of the beatles and rolling stones and their music was because of people like elvis and buddy holly and elvis was because of people like hank williams junior and hank williams senior hank, hank williams i'm sorry hank williams senior <laughs> no, no one's ripping off Good hank correction williams correction on that <laughs> I just changed generations
2: no, by like fifty I, years. I think the Beatles are. If Revolver came out today, it would be a top
5: rock album. I, I think no question. You know, it's so funny. That's it's everybody's like favorite, favorite Beatles album. Not mine. I, 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 I don't, I'm I, more of a pop. I love She Loves You. I saw her standing there. Yeah, all that stuff.
2: I um I don't think MC5 Kick Out the Jams made the list. And if you were going to make important songs in history, that is. That is one of the most important songs. When you go to, there's a Friends episode
5: where Jennifer Aniston is wearing an MC5 t-shirt. Really? Yeah, absolutely. Go look it up. I'll have to watch there's... that episode. Yeah. <laughs> well, Beamer's got it on TV <laughs> DVR. Yeah.
3: Not Friends, I do not.
2: Joe, season 3, episode 20. By, by the way, someone exactly asked, Joe, about.
3: how do you feel about Springsteen in the Top 50? If you've listened to me before, you know how I feel about Bruce Springsteen in the top 50. That's all I'll say. He loves it. Hey, yeah, you're he, right.
5: most of his Born to Run album is oh, on that list. I know. And I'm I'm glad Rosalita made it. There were so many songs I completely forgot I knew. And I think when you look at this list, mm-hmm. that's it. Like Merle Haggard, Mama Tried, one of the great country songs oh. of all time. If George you, uh, Jones. If
2: you listen to, uh, I've heard that song like 30 times in the last uh, 30 days. What, probably. Mama Tried? Yes. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I think the. But not numeral, that kink song. The, not the kink song, not Waterloo Sunset. That's f- safe for special listening, Rob. Thanks for dropping in. Uh, we got to run. Join us next week. Beam as and Beamer on oh. WBEN.
1: All star closer, Kenley Jansen. We have a question. What's the best podcast of all time?